Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the Terriers Talk podcast and today we're reviewing Stoke City. Um, we were both present. Just going to get straight into it. What was your what was your immediate thoughts going into the game? Because I know you were very optimistic about the game. How are you feeling coming away from it? Yeah, well, yeah, I was feeling quite confident and um, safe to say it wasn't that simple. I think Stoke were always a really awkward outfit to come up against and I think um, that was really evident. It was a very, very cagey affair, especially towards the end of the game. Um, fortunately for Town, we did look a, a bit better towards the second half, but the first half, I mean, how how discouraging was that to see when it was Warnock's final game and we just didn't look at the races at all first half, did we? No, I think it, it's a really weird one for Warnock to go out on, um, I think, because... It just it looked very different from a Warlock side. We looked very all over the place, very unstructured, very just kind of happy to sit off, which I don't think has been the case for us this season. Our last season, we looked quite timid, very, I don't want to say over the top respectful, but very over the top with how we were. So it it was it was a weird one. Um, but coming away from it, how we did, I think we definitely grew more into the game. Um, but we were very lucky that Stoke were out of the race and that we were on the right side of some very, very marginal calls with the offsides. So you, you, you've got to look at it in the way of we get a point there. It's a good result in that sense, but we're lucky that Stoke were at the races. But then also on the flip side, because Stoke were out of the races, are we then annoyed at ourselves because we've not got three points from that game or we've not tried to punish them whilst they're not as good. Well, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. And um, I think especially the last maybe 20 minutes, I I would have been not, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we went on to win the game. That's what I was trying to say. And um, I know we had three massive chances, Headley, Karoma, uh, and I think Karoma again to win the game. And, in, in all fairness, um, I think a draw was probably a fair result. And both teams were really battling for for the win. And, you know, when you see, um, what's his name now? Alex Neil um, yeah. putting on Dwight Gale, you know, throwing on attacker. And then we throw on Brahima Diara with five minutes left. It's like, this is what you want to see. It is good attacking aggressive football. And no one wanted to settle for the draw. Um, but I think it makes sense to start from the first whistle and town really were dominated um, by Stoke. I mean, just looking at possession here, 65% of the ball Stoke had. And um, a lot of it came in the first kind of opening exchanges because we couldn't put a foot on the ball, could we? No, no, it was, like I said, it was really weird because not only we stamped a foot on the game uh, quite early on, but we just looked very much in our own shell and we look very kind of nervous about the prospect of playing start which when you've had some big defeats at home against good sides in the past like you, you're going to be worried about it but to do that after the run that we've been on where we've won two of us last three we're unbeaten in three like it's it's positive so it, it looked like we'd gone back and those games hadn't happened in the sense where we were just kind of yeah. right we need to play soak up pressure and then try and counter-attack and it was very lucky that we didn't get hit early on in the in the game and we didn't get put behind quite early on. Yeah, because, I mean, Stokes attacking players, I think 
that is some of the best off the ball movement I've seen this season from an from an opposition attack because I don't know whether we were playing too high of a line or they were just exploiting their unbelievable pace. I think it was uh, Tyrese Campbell, I want to say, and uh, Daniel Johnson. They were just rapid. They were giving Utah and uh, and Helic a, a pretty tough time, although Helic was just head and shoulders above anyone else. Um, and then, obviously, what we don't see normally is the referee pull up, and that is nine minutes of time. And you're thinking, right, okay, what's going to happen afterwards? And uh, completely against the runner play, Town get a free kick, and Sorba Thomas puts in a delicious ball. And that's that's the only way I could probably uh, describe it without getting kicked off the podcast. Um, it was absolutely delicious, and Matty Pearson does what he does best, and it's 1-0 Town. Yeah, it was it was completely against run of play. I want it. It was massively against what everyone was thinking. If there was going to be a first proper goal scorer in the game, it was going to be Stoke. And for it to be Town was was a very welcoming surprise. And you you kind of hope that we'd we'd push on for that because there's not really much to add on to that goal. It was it was a set piece. We know what we what we like from set pieces. We have some very very capable set piece takers. But you'd hope that Town can stamp the foot on the game get a bit defensively resolute for the next few minutes at least just ride the wave out no and then you're back to defending that we were we were seeing at the start of the season which yeah it was just the question of why and how that's happening because we know we've got capable defenders you and akiyama looked a bit iffy um with the first challenge that he put in and whether that's just like like we were saying with Lee Nichols, for example, at the start of the season, whether that's just a case of not played in a while consistently, is it just a case of bringing up confidence at a senior level as well? Because obviously we've been playing B-team games, but Brahima Diara looks incredible in B-team games, looks a level above, bringing to the championship, and he's not there yet. So there's obviously a difference there, so it's just kind of a case of getting you to there, but there are obviously elements of these games that we like, but... It was just a really poor goal to concede literally two yeah. minutes after. Um, it was just, there were so many questions of why is this person there? Why is somebody not marking him? Why is this? Why is that? Why is the other? Why Why do we look so timid in a challenge? And it's it's not a, a massively worrying thing, but it's kind of one of them things where we haven't seen it for a few games and you kind of wonder how that's been allowed to happen and why it's happened. Um, it's It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. It's very basic stuff, I thought. I mean, for, for Stokes' first goal, um, I'll go back to the movement of their um, attacking force. And again, I think Yuta comes into the equation because uh, unfortunately for him, he gets completely beaten for pace by, um, I, w- I wanted to say Tyrese Simpson, but he's our player. Tyrese Campbell, nice goal, uh, yeah. rather. Um, and... To be fair to Uta, he gets back, he recovers, and he stands him up. But as Simpson cuts in and has a shot, Nichols does really well to get down and save it initially. But unfortunately for him, there's no one of in in a blue and white shirt of blue and white persuasion to kind of get rid. And again, really good save. I don't think anyone's going to say he's going to have to gather that and bring it into his chest because the ball was coming to him at some pace. Um, and then Daniel Johnson just sweeps up and it's it's one all and it's an absolutely crazy uh, two two three minutes. I mean the referee pulls up, Town score, Stokes score, and then I think uh, three four five minutes later, Town are hit with um, 
quite a worrying injury because, again, it's David Kasumu. Yeah, I think everyone knew about the injury issue that Kasumu has, that Kasumu has as well as had. Um, we signed it from MK Dons. Was it MK Dons? Yes, it was, yeah. yeah. Um, and their fans literally said, very good player, very energetic, got a hell of an engine on him. Yeah. But... And that's the injury. I remember this. I've got a quote from an MK Don's fan that I'll always stick in my head. They said, he's the EFL Kante, but he's made of glass. And that's kind of what we're seeing. And I remember he made his first appearance for the club, um, league appearance against uh, Burnley. He came on, got booked, and then was injured. I think he was out for probably a month. And that's what we come to expect from him. And we know how much of a player he is and we know the engine he does have, quite ironically, because he is quite literally made of glass. But we've just got hope for David's sake and the sake of the team that it's nothing too serious, but you never know with him, do you? Nice. It's a worrying factor because, like you say, everyone knows how good Kasumu can and is, yeah. uh, can be and is. Um, he's a very good player and he's someone that we need in the side um, being fit. Even if he's not to start games as a rotational option, he's he's exceptional and he's he's a very good standard of midfielder in this league. It's just now a case of how do you keep him fit? How do you manage his minutes so that he doesn't get injured this consistently? Is it a a longer term thing? We don't know because I don't think we know kind of the level of the injury yet as well. So for all we know, he could be back playing Monday. He might not be yeah. playing for the next three months, so obviously hoping it's good news with that. Um, and you'd imagine we find out tomorrow, maybe with the press conference, something like that. Um, obviously there's very little information about who will be leading that press conference still. Um, so we don't even know if when press conference is going ahead. Either either are uh, you'd hope it's good news, and I think that was pretty much the last of it for for the first half, unless that Stoke scored again offside. I think. Um, but obviously offside um, margins, I believe. This is where the replay shows that it was miles offside, but two offsides, we're on the right stroke of luck, and then you kind of look at it, you go, right, one that's going to get into there at half-time, he's going to tell him his mind, and he's going to come, tell him to come out and have a much better showing. So then concede first and lose our record of being one of only two sides in England that have not conceded a goal from a set piece this season, uh, apart from just a small club called Man City. Um, no. Yeah, exactly. Small football club. Either either or. We're not here to speak about that. Um, it, it's a really annoying thing, and it's it's a header that he shouldn't be getting. Um, ben Wilmot being let to have that much space in the box, be led to have a free run and then connect with the header pretty much unchallenged. Yeah. Worrying. Very, very worrying. Well, it's not worrying. I'm not going to sit and sit and cry about it, but it's, it's that kind of one where you're like, why it's is it? basics, yeah. yeah. It's basics. And I mean, even before that, um, even before the, the second half even started, we had a triple substitution, which was uh, quite surprising. I mean, Sober Thomas, apart from um, putting a a great ball in, didn't really do much. So he came off for Ben Jackson. Um, I think Josh Ruffles might have been injured. Uh, Jaheim Headley replaced him and I thought was impeccable going forward. A bit vulnerable going, uh, not going back defensively. 
And then Porky and Harriet was just chasing shadows for 45 minutes. So he was replaced by Delano Bergzog. And all three substitutions had a really, really um, heavy impact, but not before Stoke scored. And yeah, Stoke um, and Ben Wilmot, he basically had the freedom of our penalty area before he made a darting run and to the front of the post, front post, sorry, front of the post, Nice balling, obviously a training ground routine, and I've just got the still up here, and there are two players I can't really see. I think it's I think Bird. one. Of the, I think one of them's Helic. Helic, yeah, they've come in really late, and none of them um, kind of tight man marking all the stuff you kind of see in a, what they teach under nines, um, and yeah, he gets a kind of back header, and it's it's two one, and I think that's the only real thing we could fault Helic for. Uh, last night because apart from that he was absolutely impeccable and I don't want I don't really want to wait to talk about him even more because we were what we, we were waxing lyrical about him last episode and this again this episode I said to you before we kind of started filming he is the closest thing to Christopher Schindler since Schindler left and he's just got that finesse about him I could sit here all day and talk about Michael Hallett because Neil Warnock said yesterday he was put on the planet to be a central defender. It was either Oggy or Warnock, and either or agreed. And he is completely right. He's incredible. 100%. It's, it's like we said what last week. There will be things in games where there will be times where he stands out, but there will be another 42, 40, 38 games where he's just another player at town. Mm. And last night showed just how critical he is because without him we'd have conceded at least two or three more um he he's he's sensational he's absolutely brilliant um i'm just i'm mindful about how much we go out go on about him here because we're gonna need to rename the podcast if if we keep going on about him but i mean I'm, i'm not opposed he is he is absolutely sensational um He's a top tier defender in this league, regardless. He he's absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm not sure how old he is as well, but we've still got years of him left as well. I'd imagine. I think he's 26, 27. 28. 28. 28. Yeah. So in his prime, you've got probably another three years of him at the very least of him still being at this level. Um, if Town managed to keep hold of him, so yeah, he he's great. I love him. Um. There's there's very little more to say about it really. He's just an absolute Rolls Royce of a centre half. Um which you need in this division. Yeah. Imagine Levi and Helic playing together. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll faint, Ben. I've got to put I've got to put the thought out there for reviewers. I know. Um but then there's somebody else that I want to kind of give a shout to. Um Edmonds Green, who past few weeks has been on the on the negative side of, of things really um at least on a on a social media perspective had a lot of questioning about him but i think yesterday was was him as close to his best if not back to his best uh is that something that you you'd agree on or would you say there's there's a bit of a way to go before you'd put him in that kind of regard i mean i think reg um he's very up and down so he's not really had a very consistent spell under any manager and he's probably worked under a lot of managers I mean Pearson said last night I've been here best part of three years and this will be my fifth manager so stability is needed and for a younger younger younger-ish player like Reg that's what he needs 
to kind of address your question, he has looked very leggy towards the back end last season and the start of this season. And of course, he's playing in a new position. And that's something you kind of need to take into consideration. But I think as a footballer, he is definitely maturing. I think yeah. he plays his football like someone who has experienced championship before. And he doesn't look like he's out of place at all. So he doesn't stick out like a sore thumb, which is really quite encouraging because there is a lot more development to do. But if you have those basics of the championship football, that is great. And I think he is really getting there. I think he is getting back to his best. So long story short, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I think something that um, Conlon said to me earlier was just kind of a case of Conlon seeing it as he was going into 1v1s and he was very confident that like he'd win the challenge and thinking back to it as well, I was I was quite similar in that regard. And that, is that something that kind of you were feeling as well when he was in a 1v1 situation where you were you quite confident that he'd win the ball? Because I know obviously in the past he's, he's had a lot of critics about his game in a 1v1 situation, whereas... Last night he looked very confident. That was really nice to see from somebody that's still kind of in that young defender mm. age bracket, um, considering the average age of defenders and whatnot. So is that something that you kind of look at and look for positivity there? And then if it is a case of he looks like more of a, a what not a one v one defender, but if he looks more capable and more suited sitting further back where he's just got defensive responsibilities. Do you reckon that probably his best position now looking forward under the new manager is you say to them, Reg is a centre-back? It's a tough question because he does break up play really well and he is good one-on-one, but he's also good when he's got multiple players running at him. And I don't know whether you'd try swapping for someone like, like Hoggy in the future because he rarely goes forward, he breaks up play and he lets Radoni and now Ben Wiles go forward for him. As a centre-half, it'd be really interesting to see, but I don't think we're short for centre-half at all. So I think he's a player who we can be really experimental with, and which is really exciting because if you've got players that have not endless capabilities, but more than one capability, then yeah. that's always a good and valuable asset to the team. So It'll be really interesting now we've got a new manager coming in, whoever they are, how they'll use Reg. 100%. I think it's definitely something that over the next few weeks I think we'll see. And obviously I think that's where having a cup run would be nice because then you obviously get to test him and others in a different position. For example, you give Diara senior football um, consistently. You give the likes of Jackson consistent senior minutes who hasn't played that much, Osterfield, things like that. So... I think it's definitely going to be one that in the next few weeks we can definitely look back on and say this is the situation or that's the situation. Um, we went on a bit of a tangent there, but I think it's probably best to get back to the goals. Jack Rodoni. Rodoni is Rodoni-ing. He's, he's really a confident, is. confident footballer at the moment, which I'm over the moon about. It is brilliant. It is really, really brilliant to see because we knew how much of a talent this, this guy is and I know last season, I don't think anyone was at their best last season because we didn't have the facilities or the environment to do so. No. And to see Rodoni flourish now is really, really encouraging. Um, I don't know who puts the cross in. I'm just watching it. Jackson. 
Jackson, that's it. Jackson's yeah, originally Jackson. from the corner and then plays it back in. Yeah. And Jackson fires it across and Redoni's just seen no one's land. And I'm, it, it all went relatively in slow motion. I mean, I'm um, on the riverside and I'm first row of the upper tier and I'm thinking, from up here, it looks like there's no one around him. Is you know, is is that the case? Because if, if so, you've got to score this. And yeah, he, he takes a touch. He's got his back to goal, and he turns and he just he fires it into in, into the bottom, you know, back of the net. And they're thinking, all right, we can win the game here. But just his overall play and his overall game in general, he looks like he's enjoying his football, which I think he was last season. But he now has the kind of springboard to projects himself into one of the top midfielders in the league because, as we said, we've got Wiles next to him. He can do half of his work because he's an absolute engine himself. He's like a Duracell bunny. Um, he doesn't stop. And Rodoni, you see him further up the pitch now. And it, like you said, he's Rodoni's Rodonian. And uh, I'm really happy to see because I think with time, he will become an absolutely outstanding player for the club and hopefully for many years. I think the underlying thing last year was just you play Jack Redoni in his preferred position, you give him the confidence, he'll do well. It's exactly what he had at Wimbledon. He had confidence and he was playing in a consistent position that was going forward and you get the best of him. We're seeing that now and that's that's so good to see from a player that hasn't had a consistent spell of minutes in a consistent position probably in his entire time at the club. Yeah. He's now got Wiles next to him and he has that freedom to just go right I'm an so attacking player. Going, I'm gonna yeah. go and attack. I have to spend defensive responsibilities, but they're limited because of the likes of Wiles and Hogg. Um, when obviously the pair do play together. Um, exactly. So you've got you've got that like backbone behind him now. So it's now just a case of pushing forward with him. And like you say, he has got the the ceiling with Rodoni is so high. He can and he probably will go very high. It's just now a case of making sure he stays confident because I think what we've come to realise is a lot of our players rely on confidence. You've got so many younger players in this squad that just, if they let the confidence drop, they, they're going to struggle. You've then got a few of the older players that probably will fit that mould too. The Sauber isn't, Sauber's in the kind of mix where he's still young enough to be young and he's not old enough to be a senior senior player of the squad. So he's yeah. just in that middle ground confidence player, Karoma, probably the same bracket, confidence, Radoni, confidence. Headley, Diara, Harrett probably fits that mould. Ward probably fits that mould and he's a senior player. They're, they're players that rely on confidence a lot. So this next manager, if they just instil confidence across the board, we, we really will do well with them. And Radani will just, he'll go up in price because like we, everyone can see how good he is. It's just now a case of flourishing, like you've said. And... Then the next kind of twenty minutes after that Rodoni goal was just kind of bonkers, hectic, wasn't it? it? It was Absolutely it was bonkers. It looked like town were gonna be the more likely the two sides to get a get a goal. But then equally on the flip side, you're kinda of like every Stoke attack, you're a bit like Oh, oh god, god, I don't like this. You've got Wesley on and you had Dwight Gale on. And if I've ever seen two players that would score in front of an away end and clasp their ears after the amount of <laughs> just fun noise they were getting it would have been one of those two players it was a really really good game of football in that last 20, 20, 20 minutes for a neutral it was horrible to the fun <laughs> yeah it was it was and everyone was getting involved um, I mean the clip of Warnock uh, 
in, interacting with the Stoke fans has now yeah. gone viral. It's 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 great. It's just a it was a brilliant final twenty five minutes of football. If you were you know a neutral fan, and it was even really entertaining to be fans of both teams. And it was just a really good typical way for Warnock to bow out because it was never ever going to be a nice oh, no. summer's day. You know, against a, a team that we were going to win for nil, it was always going to be a cold, wet, horrible night against Stoke, and I think that really sums up what Warnock's about. I mean, I'm just going to interrupt you there. For a man that predicted three nil, you you're backtracking an awful lot here, Jay. This is fine. It's fine. <laughs> that didn't happen. That didn't happen. But yeah, no, it, it was. It was honestly, it was great. It was great to watch and kind of a fitting, um, fitting way for a legend to go out. 100% it's I think if you got Warnock to ask down uh, write down what his, his final game at a club would be I don't think he'd be far off that would he interacting with the away end there's there's that quote about how he'd like to bow out with with opposition fans and what they're calling him and for yeah, P, PG reasons we're not going to repeat that you know that you know what, what we're on about the <laughs> Stoke fans knew what they were on about and Warnock got what he wanted and then gave it back a little bit at the end which was Really good to see, and he he is he is a legend of the football club. There's there's no denying that for his work previously and obviously the past six months. But it was it was a really great way to bow out, and there's there's now a very solid solid foundation to build off of. You're five points away from the relegation zone. I believe you're four points away from the top six. You are quite literally have the entire season in front of you to make your own destiny now. So it. it it's left us in a really good place. Obviously, three points would be ideal, but a point against the Stoke side that most predicted to be up at the top end, top end of the division, and probably will end up back there once the players are fit. It's a it's a fair result, and I'm I'm rather happy with it. Is that kind of the same with you? Are you disappointed at all? Or I mean, I would have preferred my original prediction of three 0 but um, you know, life's uh, whatever. Uh, no, I was really happy. Um. I'm really glad we didn't lose because losing the game is not nice, but losing Warnock's final game would be, would be even worse. And yeah, brilliant game. Teams battling it out. Really good atmosphere. It, it was just, it, it was a really fun game. Um, And again, some really, really, really encouraging players, at performances from players who we knew had the potential and now the showcasing it. So like you said, that new manager, whoever it is, just needs to look after them and nurture them because if they do, they'll spread the wings and they'll flourish. Hundred percent. I think with that, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask who your star performer of the game was. Bring we're bringing it back. We're going old school. I know it's it's I know it's 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 kind of between Helic and Rodoni. It's, it's been flying around on social media because obviously Town do the man of the matches and all that, and I couldn't decide. But I just think there's something about. Helic last night for me and Rodoni's kind of I'm sure he won't mind because he won't watch this but he's very uh, unlucky to miss out but yeah Helic Rolls Royce brilliant no disagreements there um, a player that I, I'm not putting into that mix but just a player that played quite well tonight uh, tonight last night was was Bergzog I felt he was just he was really direct and he, he did change the game for us I feel like going forward um, and he's a player that like we said Said it in the preview, I think. I think we might have even said it in the well, the preview of the review we did together. But he's just a player that's so direct, and he will cause 
my team's issue. So if you put him up top with with Karoma, he's going to do really, really well. So Glass definitely one to look out for for the future. And we'll obviously speak probably more about him in the preview against Coventry. Um, but that wraps up the episode. Obviously, Helic wins the Terry's talk, whatever. Um, that's not a thing, but it can be. Michael contacted us for your award. It cut out for some reason. I'm not too sure why, but we're at the outer anyway, so it's not massively important. But we shall be back probably tomorrow, I want to say. This episode goes out probably about 6, 7-ish tonight when you'll be seeing this. So we probably will be speaking tomorrow after the manager's appointment point, appointed because that's when it's imagined to be. Um, if not, we will do an episode tomorrow anyway for the Coventry preview and then we shall do an episode whenever the manager's announced um, but yeah if there's nothing that you can think of, of adding to this Jay then I think that, that wraps us up nothing from me mate yeah perfect well thank you as always for listening um, any feedback comments likes shares all massively massively appreciated and it helps us a lot more than you know um, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode and we shall see you next time to speaking about the new manager of Huddersfield Town Football Club or speaking about Monday's game against Coventry. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.